Welcome to WVU Marketing Horizons, hosted by Ruth Stevens and Cindy Greenhouse. We are grateful to WVU, who offers renowned online master's degree programs in marketing communications. And this series is presented by the Reed College of Media as part of their ongoing marketing series. Thank you for joining us today. Hey, Cindy, I think I told you that my very first opportunity to be a guest on a podcast was at the invitation of Steve Gershik. And at the time, he was CMO of Eloqua. And since then, he's had a lot of interesting jobs. He was head of uh, marketing at Serious Decisions, for example. He's a very well-respected guy in the world of B2B marketing. And I'm so happy he was willing to join us here today to talk about this long-time axe he has to grind called the funnel beyond the funnel, which is that B2B marketers are too focused on acquisition and insufficiently investing in deepening and expanding account relationships. And he has a lot to say about this. So let's get him in to understand what he thinks about B2B marketing priorities and where we should be going on this. What do you say? I'm thrilled to invite Steve in and have a B2B expert like him on our show. Hi, Steve. Hi, where should I leave my ax? Can I just prop it against the wall here? As long as you're going to grind it, that's okay. We'll get to the grinding in due time. (laughs) Well, thanks so much for joining us, Steve. If you don't mind, I'd like to jump on that. this first question I have. Um, You know, when Ruth said that you have this concept that you call the funnel beyond the funnel, um, what do you mean by that anyway? And uh, why should we care as marketers? Yeah, why should we care? Well, let's go back to the idea of the funnel itself because in my opinion it's the it's the most uh effective advertising slogan ever for marketers uh it was created 125 years ago by this guy an advertiser named uh, elias saint elmo lewis he was a marketer that had founded an agency a few years uh earlier and uh Like any good guru, he didn't wait to develop his ideas. He just stuck it out there. He started out with this idea of defining the stages of marketing as to catch the eye of a reader, to inform him, to make a customer of him. And it took him 10 years to develop that AIDA slogan. Oh, sure. That's where it came from. AIDA. He, Aida, he invented that. And then, of course, Alec Baldwin popularized that in that movie uh, years ago, Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross. All right. Um, uh, but really, on his reflection, his ideas on the concept, this slogan, and he referred to it as a slogan, um, he said, uh, this was over 100 years ago, we're on this eve of education in advertising. And um, the advertising is uh, creating desire in the minds of careful folks. And, and this was the most important part of what he said to me, the sales force is going to be organized and educated to cash in on that desire. 
right? So once you've put somebody through, oh, AIDA, attention, interest, desire, and then action. It actually took him another 10 years to add the action part at the end. He, he stopped <laughs> at, at desire as many as many marketers do. Um, and that uh, and that idea really held uh, true for a really long time. For as long as the sales force had the power, they controlled information about the product, they controlled knowledge about pricing, and that customers had to go through a salesperson. Uh, they had a lot more control over what uh, we all now call this customer journey. Right. Um, but a funny thing happened, uh, coincident with my the start of my career in marketing, the commercial web came along. And then with what was called Web 2.0, it was not only about companies communicating out to customers, the customers could talk to each other, right? People could exchange information about products and services without the need for a salesperson intermediary. Uh, what old uh, uh, St. Omo there uh, said was the natural outcome um, and that corresponded with this rise in this new business model in B2B where products that had been sold with a one-time charge and a small maintenance and support charge as an annuity, uh, now there was this recurring revenue model where now our businesses, we had to earn uh, the right to continue to call a customer a customer uh, every single day, every single month. And so this, um, so this recurring model uh, now places a tremendous emphasis on customer happiness and customer satisfaction. And now there's this rise of the customer success fu function in many companies. And that really uh, gave birth to this idea of the funnel beyond the funnel. The 125-year-old uh, the sales funnel typically ended at action. And now that's where it starts to get really interesting. Wow. So that means that the role of sales has changed and that the importance of customer growth and relationship deepening has become more apparent. And so I would think since we've had about, what, 15, 20 years of the internet to play around with, that people would then be jumping all over this. But I'm guessing you're going to say they're not quite yet. Is that true? Well, they're doing it more uh, and more companies are paying attention to post-acquisition uh, customer marketing. Um, but still, it's not being budgeted for strategically, certainly not at the levels that you see with, say, ABM, which is, of course, all the rage now, and mm -hmm. with demand generation, which I had a small part in helping to uh, popularize back in the early day. It's not seen as a strategic role within marketing today. Uh, I ran a customer marketing agency some years ago. Uh, we could talk about why that was a little bit too early for its time. But the, um, uh, but the idea is that there's still this preference for net new customer acquisition. 
Right. Don't, don't you think some of this is behavioral and um, it, a little Pavlovian on our part? You know, we're, we do what we're rewarded for. And it's so much easier for attribution to take credit on acquisition, new customers, new customers. You want the new shiny object. And therefore, we tend to focus on that. Whereas retention, A, doesn't seem as fun. It's kind of slogging through it. It certainly seems to have a lot of process or, around it. And it's harder to take credit for it as marketers. Oh, that last point is so important, Cindy. And I was just reflecting, you had an interview with this really fascinating woman talking about attribution and how it's getting harder and harder to do. Why is it getting harder and harder to do? Because customers are talking to each other. They're not involving <laughs> companies. They're not, they're not allowing us to record those touch points, the casual interaction at uh, an in-person event, the, uh, the Slack channel for mm. your peers in the industry or uh, online industry uh, focus groups. All of those things, uh, not focus groups, discussion groups. All of those things are, uh, are opaque to us as marketers. We can't record those interactions. We can ask a customer once they come to us how they heard about us. Uh, we can interview them and find out the steps of their buying journey, but they might not remember all the people that they spoke to. So it's the uh, culmination of all of the communication touch points uh, in marketing that helps to, uh, to determine campaign influence. But I think attribution is a concept that uh, was born and is slowly fading away in marketing. And now it's really about engendering customer conversations wherever they're having those conversations and supporting customers to be able to promote your brand if they mm -hmm. are happy with the experience that they're having. We're going to have to get Katie mm -hmm. Payne back in here and have a, a boxing match between the two of you. Okay. I'd, I'd love to know more about attribution fading away and, and what is going to replace it in terms of demonstrating results and declaring success. So what's the future of attribution? It is uh, getting closer to your customers. <laughs> how, many, how many different, we need to come up with a new way of talking about getting close to your customers because that's the way to get attention is taking something old, tried and true and giving it a new name and then uh, talking about it. There's a, uh, there's a marketing agency that likes to talk about the dark funnel, which is, uh, I, I, I love that. Uh, that metaphor, sort of mysterious mm -hmm. and... Uh, like the dark web where and, all the right, evildoers like hang out. <laughs> right. But, but all, is, all it means is the stuff that customers do that prospects talk about that we don't know, right? What are they oh, looking at on social media? So then... How are they interacting with other people? Uh, they're starting to determine brand preference and affinity and propensity right, right. without us. So how can we get in there? So how do we get in there? Well, we go to the watering holes where they're gathering, just mm -hmm. like good marketers do. And we're saying helpful things. And we're uh, perhaps catalyzing a conversation. But the first thing that we're doing is we're listening. Yeah. We're oh, listening yeah. and we're learning. Yeah. And then we can jump in and participate with useful uh, content that content, meets buyers right. where they want to be. Mm -hmm. And then... 
it's hard to aggregate all of those touch points. But after uh, we bring on a new customer, having an interview, talking about their experience, getting feedback, and then during their customer journey, like when they start caring about your company, then you deepen those relationships and you learn more about how they discover about new technologies or new products or new services. And then you can do more of it. It sounds an awful lot. um, Of course, I'm going to the data side of it. It sounds a lot like what CDPs are trying to do and how the technology today is trying to allow us to capture all that, quote, intent data and all those conversations. And then by interpreting them, we are able to listen using AI and technology and then have more relevant, meaningful conversations. Would would that be a true statement, Steve? Or you think that that's an overblown use of the technology too? Well, Cindy, I, I guess I'm guilty because I helped to popularize this term digital body language back in the day when I was at Eloqua. And we really uh, evangelized this idea of, of tracking every customer interaction, their, their digital footprints on your website and the indicators of interest based on their path uh, through the website and on the web. But increasingly, uh, those interactions are taking places on websites that you cannot control. The hottest thing today is LinkedIn, uh, especially in B2B. And it's you know, really difficult to get metrics about specific customers on there. So uh, there are great customer data platforms. The data accuracy is much more uh, accurate uh, than it was back in the day. And so there have been improvements made there. Uh, but we have to deal with the opacity of the customer journey. Mm. And really, it's we have to think of ourselves as digital anthropologists <laughs> and try and examine those places, those situations, and those settings in which those customer interactions are taking place. And they're talking about our brands. And we need to understand those places as well as we understand those customers. So then the metrics around all these activities are maybe going to boil down to the classic retention metrics that we've used forever, like like uh, churn prevention, like referral, willingness to refer, like um, lifetime, life, value. lifetime value, uh, account cross-buying and other account penetration type of metrics i'm maybe making a guess here what does our actual guest say it's the old tried and true isn't it it's the numbers that your board and your executive leadership team care about it's customer acquisition cost so what's your cac what's the customer lifetime value right so how much are customers paying you um and what's your margin on what uh you are bringing in it's those business metrics that marketers should really get back to caring about, not about likes and shares and uh, the vanity metrics that uh, we like to throw around and get distracted by, right? Yeah. It's really about, uh, and by the way, uh, we all say that we're customer centric, 
We all say we're customer centric, that we are customer obsessed, that we are customer focused, that we stalk our customers at night and we go through their garden <laughs> and we learn everything about them. But how about just talking to them and learning about uh, their experience and deepening those relationships? That's something that all mm-hmm. marketers can do to increase lifetime value because customers, boy, they want to be heard. At this moment where you've convinced them to part with the two things that they care about the most in B2B, their money and their reputation. They've given you that willingly, right? So we should appreciate them and maybe talk to them a little more frequently. Mm, That's awesome. Well, Steve, where do you think all of this is going? You've been at the forefront of so much of this B2B journey. Um, you know, if we looked ahead or just over the horizon, peeking over what the future looks like, what do you think us B2B marketers should be considering? Uh, what do you think we should be taking advantage of in your opinion? Yeah, I think that uh, for companies that are selling with a subscription model, a recurring revenue model, a SaaS company, uh, you have to think about post-acquisition customer marketing strategically. Uh, It's no longer a nice to have, it's no longer a campaign when you wanna get more customer references or reviews on third-party review sites or even referrals. It has to be at least as strategic as net new customer acquisition because the reality is OpenView Venture Labs, one of the, uh, uh, the leading VC firms in the US publishes these benchmarks every year on uh, customer retention. And, you know, there was a lot of talk at the beginning of the pandemic that retention was going to be the new acquisition because everybody was scared to death about uh, sales plummeting. So we had to pivot to some message that sounded reassuring. Gather your customers closer. So OpenView published their metrics last year, sort of at the end of the pandemic, or I guess uh, sort of the tail end of the pandemic, mid-pandemic, wherever we are. And they said that the net effect of saying retention is the new acquisition is that net revenue retention went from 100% to 103% or 100% to 106%. So we still have a long ways to go in thinking about this. So so my advice to B2B marketers is make this a strategic priority, budget for it. There are now very talented customer marketing professionals that have cut their teeth on shoestring budgets and have figured out the playbook. So find one of those, put them in place and see how they can help you grow their business, your business. Love it. Fabulous. Thank you, Steve. That's awesome. What great insights. It was so nice to talk to you, Steve, and share your thoughts with us and um, there's nothing we can do better than to care for the customers we have, right? You're here. Thanks, Steve. Thanks so much. I'm going to go uh, gr- grind my axe, I guess. <laughs> 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 it was a pleasure. Thank you. Cindy, isn't it just totally fun talking to Steve? I, I can't wait to hear what was your big takeaway. 
Oh, it was awesome. And, you know, to bring us full circle, um, you know, he did coin the phrase digital body language. And, and, and that was such a, a, an important new concept introduced. And now he's evolved that for us into uh, digital anthropology. You know, we need to become the digital anthropologists for our uh, customer marketing. I really thought that that was an interesting concept, Ruth. Yeah, especially as he pointed out that we don't control all of the conversations that our right. customers are having with each other and all over the internet and elsewhere. And we need to kind of keep get involved and be listening and infer what they're saying and try to influence it as we as we always have. But we should just talk to them, he said. Isn't that yes. kind of simple, but so true? Well, you know, he said it's harder to control and harder to get the information because he's, I like that he said the opacity of customer engagement. It's not as transparent, as clean as it used to be, where, you know, X equals Y. And, and, and this goes to a lot of the conversations we're having these days, Ruth, around um, intent data. Like, right. is it really intent or isn't it? But we're trying so hard to have this um, dialogue and customer discussion when so much of this is not as easy to interpret. And why we're, why he baldly said attribution is fading away. I, I'd love to get Katie back in here to comment on that. But certainly making a direct line between a marketing investment and a final customer action is becoming impossible. <laughs> you, can, you, you can't track the journey the way we would like to. I would add some of these customer journey maps I see flying around mm -hmm. are kind of faintly ridiculous, if I may be a little bit harsh. Um, it, it's, there's just too many moving parts and and his recommendation that we get down to the, the, the metrics that have run our businesses and our, our marketing strategies for decades, namely, let's look at the customer acquisition cost that covers the, you know, the top of the funnel, the funnel itself. And wasn't it hilarious, his story about yeah. the origin of the funnel as an Ada. ad slogan? Oh, my goodness. But then also it, his it, exhortation that we need to take the back end seriously, you know, that yeah. we need to budget for it. We need to give it, we need to create the function. And would you agree that this, all these concepts are not just about subscription models and publishing. They're not just about B2B. They apply to all businesses. They do apply to all businesses and within B2B, they certainly go beyond SaaS or, or software or subscription because what business today is a one and done, you know, sell them once and you don't care. There's, there's no long tail. You know, every business has to develop a long tail in order to, to have a viable business today, right? And, and yep. those metrics that he was talking about retention marketing that are the lifeblood of those of us that have done performance marketing and, and have been called on the carpet to say, you know, is it working? Customer lifetime value, 
a re reduction in churn, um, CSAT, you know, customer satisfaction. Um, you know, a lot of these uh, metrics are more important than ever in his model if that traditional vanity metrics and attribution models are, are going away. Um, we have to be held accountable. And, and he certainly gave us traditional ways uh, of measuring our performance that make a lot of sense. Everything old is new again, right? It seems that way. You know, um, I also liked how he was talking about a concept that that I had not heard of before, of which was the dark funnel. And yeah. how you, Ruth, said, you know, the dark web, not going to the dark side. But the, the analogy was pretty interesting that, you know, this is the stuff that customers do, and this is the stuff customers are talking about, and we don't know about. And so we, um, it behooves us to dig below the surface and understand our customers at a more granular level, especially at, for retention. Right. So shall we wrap up with a review of the three essential points that Steve sure. was sharing with us, our three little piggies? Where would you begin with that, Cindy? Oh, I would think for sure I would start with, you know, me being the, 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 you know, the data and the analyst gal that, you know, attribution, the attribution model of the past is fading away and we need to focus the future of attribution, getting closer to the customer using the metrics that we know measure uh, retention, engagement, profitability in uh, other ways. Right. And maybe secondly, our little piggy would be the importance of investing in a customer management function has a lot of different names that you can call it, but it needs to be funded and respected and, mm -hmm. and given credit because that's where those, met, those very metrics can be generated that will make a convincing statement to the senior management and the board that marketing is delivering the results that they expect. Yeah, and the third one that I'm just, I can just see this really taking hold is we need to become digital anthropologists by listening yeah. to our customers, aggregating information, understanding it more. And wouldn't that just be cool if someday we saw our marketers having a title of digital yes. anthropologist with pith helmets. And, <laughs> and the other reason I like the word anthropologist is that it, combines the way all marketers want to be known as both analytical and creative, insightful, intuitive on the anthropology side and analytical and practical and data-driven on the analytical side. So, And we know this isn't easy. I mean, one of the reasons you and I have always been so passionate about B2B is because it really does take a lot more work and effort. You gotta be creative. You've gotta really dig deep. It's, um, it's, it's not as straightforward as maybe some of the other industries or some of the other verticals that you can look at, uh, but that's the payoff is yeah, those of us who engage in it, you know, really have a great payoff. Yep, it's just more fun. <laughs>
<laughs> Terrific well, um, program today, Cindy. Thank you for inviting Steve to join us. He was great. Bye. You've been listening to WVU Marketing Horizons, hosted by Ruth Stevens and Cindy Greenglass. Please be sure to visit go.wvu.edu slash mctoday to view our upcoming conversations, listen to previous discussions, and subscribe to receive updates.